Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian and Jason, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Let's get started. We don't talk about sports a lot because this is a podcast about technology. Of course, we talk about a lot of things that have nothing to do with technology, but to hell with it. I I wanted to talk about the NFL really quickly at the start here. Uh, We talked about them briefly because of the... uh, the thing that they tried to do with the Super Bowl, where they were basically asking artists to play for them um, and to pay to play the Super Bowl, that is. And then, obviously, the NFL has been in news a lot recently because they can't seem to control the various players from beating up on their wives and girlfriends. Uh, and I had mentioned in the past that the NFL is basically a nonprofit as far as the government is concerned and pays no taxes whatsoever. Finally, someone is trying to do something about this. Uh, the National Football League generates about $9.5 billion in revenue each year. It is, by Forbes' estimate, the most valuable sports league in the world. And basically, they've been a tax-exempt organization forever, which needs to stop because this is absolutely ridiculous. They chase you and me down like there's no tomorrow, but apparently the government will not tax this crazy sports institution. Uh, They're finally trying to change that. Uh, New Jersey's Cory Booker is introducing legislation that will prohibit tax-free status for all major sports leagues. Thank you. Oh, you go, Cory. Yes, I'm very (laughs) excited about this. It's kind of bullcrap. That's a lot of money we're talking about. It's a ridiculously huge amount of money. Uh, yeah, and they're all about profit. There's, there's, you know, there's not much going on here. They basically, you know, they keep on players that beat their wives as long as humanly possible because they're making them money. Let's, let's stop it. Let's pay your damn taxes, people. <laughs> so, Brian, you sound a little bit better this week. Are you feeling any better? I am feeling a little bit better, but it's definitely been like a lingering head cold sort of thing going on. I think you can still hear it in my voice a little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, feeling better. Feeling better. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. I uh, fell down, went boom on the skateboard ramp this week. So, yeah, <laughs> huh. the, uh, the trials and tribulations of a forty-three-year-old on a skateboard. Yeah, I I, Ouch. I attempted to skateboard uh, again about four years ago, and that did not go well. And I basically just kind of decided my skateboarding days are are long gone. Yeah, I was getting good, and then you know, just kind of didn't pay attention and slipped and almost broke my damn arm. <laughs> so, you know, I think my, mine might be behind me too. You've already got a bum leg. Let's not try to fuck up other things. I know it's always the right side. Why is it always the right side? It's my mouse. It's my mouse hand. <laughs> mouse hand. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. So uh, I ran across something uh, that that actually really struck a chord with me. There's an article on on noisy music by Vice. It's a uh, Vice's kind of music area. It's called "The Internet Made Me Hate All My Favorite Artists." Uh, and I read through it, and I realized that. I would probably feel the same way that I do now, even if I didn't work in the music industry. This ties directly in with last week's talk about being a Luddite. And uh, this guy writes a really funny, pretty long article about how he despises music now because of social media. And why? How so? Well, there's no mystery anymore. You see your artists being douchebags. And the entire process of promotion is so blatantly obvious these days that you always feel like you're being sold to, even by people who you really like. Well, I mean, in the past, rock stars used to be aloof. You wouldn't get, you know, you'd never had access to them. And now mm-hmm. you have access to everything that they do. Yeah. And, you know, this comes back to don't meet your heroes. Oh, yeah. It's totally about that. I mean, definitely, I've, I've, I've been that way about music since getting into this lovely industry about 15 years ago. For the most part, everybody that I've met, um, I've walked away thinking less of them, which is not what you want with music. They're heroes, man. So. Yeah, this whole article is basically just about uh, a lot of what we had talked about last week about how 
social media and this new world has really kind of destroyed the the artist as a hero or someone to look up to and really makes it difficult to get into personas. So now you need to tell all of your clients to get the hell off social media. <laughs> you have proof now. You have you have written proof that it's not good for them. No, I, I, I totally agree, and, and I wish people would do that. I think that there needs to be a bit more mystery with music, but uh, nobody's really biting on that one. And besides, if I told people to do that, I wouldn't have a job anymore. This is true. <laughs> I did want to follow up a little bit on, on our whole discussion last week about, about being a Luddite and uh, kind of disengaging a bit from social media. I've been doing it, and I've been happier. <laughs> I, I really have been. I've totally slowed down on posting. Um, you know, I wish I didn't have to sit on social media, you know, most of the workday, but I do because it's part of my job. Uh, but what I've been doing, and hopefully this will not get me cause any repercussions here, uh, I've been using the unfollow on Facebook. It's been fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've collected, you know, tons of friends over the years. Some of them, you know, personal, some of them work, and some of them are. And for various political reasons, you, you can't really unfriend people, but the unfollow has been fantastic. Uh, basically, once a day, I, I will remove a brand from my feed completely, and I will unfollow a, a friend, quote-unquote, that, that, whose updates just either annoy me or they're useless or I don't even know why I'm friends with this person. Yeah, I, the unfollow has been a godsend. Uh, I, sure. Yeah, I, I didn't ever... In, use it because I was always initially worried that I'd be missing out on some key piece of information or something, but you quickly realize that it's, it's all just noise and uh, I'm so much happier. And, and Facebook is actually becoming useful to me again. I enjoy looking at my feed. Wow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, you can, you can uh, Facebook responsibly. Yes, you can. It's, it's about using the tools well and, and not, getting, not getting sucked into what they're trying to sell us, which is follow everything. Yeah, I've, you know, I've been pulling back. I did that 30 day of no sharing experiment mm -hmm. where I was way happier and much more relaxed. You know, a super easy way to do that. Just sign up for Ello. This is true. This is true. It has, it has fallen off. It, it really has. Uh, just even from last week when I was experiencing that, but I think you were, you were still seeing a pretty hectic feed, but uh, I think it's pretty much bottomed out for almost everybody. And so is discussion about it. It, well, discussion definitely has. It hasn't so much bottomed out. The stuff that I'm finding there from the few people that I do follow is generally longer form and well-written and pretty engaging, but it, there's not a lot of it. So when you go back, you know, if, I think I go back like once every two days now, right. and then there's a decent amount of stuff. But I stopped really posting there because I didn't have anything to add to the conversation. And if you comment on something, good luck trying to find it again. <laughs> Because there's no there's no way to find you know older posts except for scrolling through and trying to find them or remembering where it came from. Yeah. So it's yeah it is not feature complete by any stretch. So, but Clay Shirky's been posting a bunch of good stuff there, and he had a really good Twitter rant that I'll put in the show notes about these smaller, like uh, these smaller social networks like Ello. There's another one out now called Meet Space, which I haven't tried yet. And the Tilde Club, which is very funny, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'll, I'll put the, the rant in the show notes. He, he it was like a 17-parter. It was a pretty epic oh, Twitter wow. rant. <laughs> that, those kind of rants that uh, made me stop following Kevin Smith on Twitter. Because <laughs> oh, Jesus, he was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. 17, 18, 19 tweets in a row. And it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, talk about somebody who doesn't know how to use the medium. <laughs> or any. He does, just doesn't know how to use the internet, period. No, he really doesn't. But hey, his podcast is doing much better than ours. 
This is, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. He's not doing too well. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. His shows are kind of tanking. Okay. So I did find one cool thing this week, and it was uh, – we talk about drones here and there, and there's this French guys who basically get together in the woods and have drone races. <laughs> all, the, all the track in the back is in French. But it's fun to it's fun as hell to watch. But I really think that they need to start putting weapons on these things. Well, I'm we, really, need, we need weaponized drone racing. I'm a little surprised that somebody hasn't dropped this video into After Effects and gone ahead and added some super special effects and lasers shooting around. But uh, it's the first time I've seen a first video of a drone I've actually really enjoyed. Yeah, they just need to put little, you know, uh, get some Star Wars action figures and put them on top, some Star Wars st- stormtroopers, and glue them to the top. That yeah. would be, uh, you know, you have your perfect Endor racing then. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Comment of the week. Comment of the week comes from Dennis Fong. He writes, seriously, no nonsense show. These guys say it like it is and don't pull any punches while still making it accessible for non-geeks to learn more about tech. Thank you, Dennis. Well, thank you very much, Dennis. And uh, please do rate us on iTunes. He gave us a lovely five star. We love that. Uh, iTunes ratings mean a lot to us. Uh, not to go too inside baseball here, Jason, but Jason and I learned a, a bit about podcasting this week. And, you know, we've basically realized that the only reason we're ever going to do this is for your love and adoration. So keep it up. Indeed. Please. Thank you. Thank you. In the news. Have you uh, been keeping up on your John Oliver? I'm not going to get too into it, but I'm just wondering if you've been been watching it. No, I thought they were off the air for the summer. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they are, and I I was just behind. But uh, I've I've watched the last two just recently, and uh, he started. He did a segment. He does that seg- segment where they uh, do like the little clips of all the newscasters beating something into the ground. Yeah, and uh, I love the bit that was about like every time we talk about tech, somebody has to say the Jetsons. So it was like, just like the Jetsons. Where's my, where's the Jetsons? The Jetsons, the Jetsons. So uh-huh. the Jetsons had a flying car, and apparently, according to news reports, the flying car really could be coming to a road and sky near you. There's a company called Aeromobile, and they've made uh, basically prototypes that uh, the thing damn, it flies, folds up, can go into a normal parking spot, can drive. I can't wait. Every three years, there's another flying car. <laughs> yeah. And they, they've got video of them all going, and they just never, pardon the, pardon the pun, they never get off the ground. They never get off the ground. Plus, uh, when I think about reliable and safe technology, I don't think companies in Slovakia, where, which is where these guys are based, <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm not hopping into this thing anytime soon. I'm sure about that. It does look very space age, but the big problem I have with it is, I mean, you're supposed to drive it on the road, right? Yes. Uh, there's no rear bumper, so if anybody just gets up a little too close to you, they can ding your propeller. That's very true, and it looks uh, it looks a bit Batmobile-y. It is definitely cool looking. I'll give them that, but uh, there's no way in hell I'm getting in this thing. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Some of the other ones I've seen actually look much cooler, but this one, this one's you know it's neat. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, actually, no, we won't. It's never going anywhere. Look, we can't even figure out how to let drones fly around in airspace. What are we going to do when everybody gets a flying car? Not going to happen. Oh man, drones versus flying cars. There's a fu- there's a future I don't want to live in. No, no, not at all. <laughs> so we missed this last week because I think we were recording when it happened. But mm-hmm. Facebook actually came out and apologized over their real name policy to the LGBT, A B C D E F G community. Yes, 
So uh, Chris Cox issued an apology, of course, via Facebook. Do you think that, said, do you think that's his, sorry. Do you think Chris Cox is his real name or is he using a fake one? I'm pretty sure because it's with an X oh, unless okay. that's his stage. Because now if it was C-O-X-X-X, then I would, I'd be with it. But it's just C-O-X. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, I really don't see how they're going to enable this. Um, I understand both sides of the argument. I, I actually really understand Facebook's side of the argument, which is we're trying to create a system in which you are real and we can prove that. Um, but I also get the, you know, I'm a stage performer. This is my name. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, or I was beaten by my husband, and I don't want to give my real name, but I still need to stay in touch with family. How do you get around that? Yeah, that's true as well. Uh, but the way – I mean, for, as far as the performers and the LGBT thing, uh, I didn't see that as an issue as they have something kind of built in. Have, you have your normal account under your real name, and then you make your page. True. I mean, that's true. everybody I know has a page now. That's another frustrating thing with Facebook that I've been blocking out recently. It's like – Everybody has started to have a page for whatever it is that they do, which is even nothing. So whatever. There was a way around that already. But, uh, you know, good on Facebook and and, uh, good with the community. And I'd like to see some sort of system that works. Yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is. It's going to be a kind of a mess. But the way that they describe what the problem was and how they're getting around it, I, I give them credit for at least giving it a shot. Yeah, I agree. And they say, you know, there's several hundred thousand fake name reports every week, which is that's a lot of data to go through. Yeah, it's a ton. It's the thing. They're so big now that that opening up any sort of thing like this. And there's so many people that complain about things. And it's it's a massive undertaking for Facebook. It's costing them a lot of money. (laughs) Well, they make a lot of money. So tough. (laughs) That that is true. (laughs) And speaking of making a lot of money, I see that uh, you want to argue with me about Uber again. I don't want to argue with you about Uber. <laughs> yeah, you posted the links. I didn't post the Uber improves life economists agree. That's you. Oh, See? my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, damn, I guess I did. Um, There's no way I would post that because I don't believe that. No, yeah. So they did a poll on uh, a bunch of economists, and most of them say that it is uh, – they strongly agree that it's good for – economics and 40% agree and none of them are on uncertain disagree or strongly disagree. Well, I don't know how uh, how good <laughs> these economists actually are, but you know, they say that since there's competition it's good for the markets. That's their 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 basic claim. Yeah, and I understand that competition is always good. And and friend of the show and Uber apologist Fergal, who gets in arguments with me about Uber basically on a daily basis, uh, he sent me the same article last week to which I responded with my article. Don't believe the hype. The sharing economy, massive failing economy, which I've actually put talked about on this show I think two weeks ago, uh, but it's back in the show notes and it's a good read. It's uh, written by an economist. Um, Evgeny Morovas or something like that. I can't pronounce his name, but uh, Evgeny. It's a really very well written article about uh, basically these are all flailing stabs at trying to make money for a failing middle class, and it's not actually helping us. Yeah, go back and check out the other show if you want our full take on it. Exactly, because we, 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 we beat we beat that article. I, I am tired of arguing about Uber. <laughs> So uh, what about San Francisco? They've apparently created – are working on creating a legal framework where you can at legally have an Airbnb house or room that you rent out. I'm a big fan of this. My entire issue with the sharing economy and Uber and Airbnb and all of these things is that these companies are growing massively without regulations and they're able to get around things like taxes and, and the trickle down that we have built into our society for companies and for services. And San Francisco has basically said, 
said, all right, we're putting something in place. You, we'll let you keep running here. Fine. But uh, you gotta have you got to play the game just like everybody else does. Yeah, you got to pay your taxes. Yep. You have to register so we know who's doing it. Exactly. And you can only have uh, 90-day rentals or like up to 90 days within the year. Mm-hmm. Which, Which is, is fine. Fair. Yeah, it's totally fair. And, you know, this is this is all I want. I want regulations. I want these companies to have to deal with the same regulations that everybody else does. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if this actually passes, this could be a template for other cities to take and make some money. Yeah. And what Airbnb should do, by the way, uh, you know, if you want to be a really cool forward thinking company, if this does pass, go ahead and make this your rule in every city. Don't wait for other cities to come along and regulate you. Just say, here, this is this is what we've come up with. This makes sense. Let's implement this everywhere. Well, I think they would probably have a problem with the 90-day limit. If right. they don't have if they don't have to abide by the 90-day limit, then they won't because that caps their income, you right. know? So they're going to want to have say, "Oh, I can have an Airbnb 365 days a year <laughs> if I have a room that is available for rent and if it doesn't break any city ordinances, they're not going to step in and Airbnb there's no way Airbnb would say, "No, no, we're, we're just going to let you only do it for a month and a half or 3 months." Nah. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I can see that, but uh, I think it would be nice and forward thinking of them if they just implemented it automatically, but I get it. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's still about money. And speaking of it still being about money, Amazon is in a bit of trouble. What'd they do this time? Well, there's a lawsuit going on right now, um, and it's a huge labor case. Basically, apparently, Amazon, well, apparently, I don't think either of us are going to be surprised about this. Amazon treats its employees like shit. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is the, I mean, so does Walmart. So does everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but Amazon's the uh the big the big gorilla these days. So, uh somebody is suing them. Let's see what's the exact name of the place. It's Integrity Staffing Solutions Incorporated versus Busk. As uh, and somehow Amazon is standing in there and it's totally involved and there's a very long article talking about it which I have not read all the way through because it got extremely boring. So, I'm kind of more waiting for this to shake out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a really long article. <laughs> They need to put a TLDR version up top. Uh, t- yeah, I know. I know. They really do. Get on that, someone. So in talking about our Internet of Things things, mm-hmm. yes, there's a new company out called Seed, uh-huh. Seed, Seed Labs, and they, they've come up with a little chip, and they want to put it in everything. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is it uses Bluetooth instead of Wi-Fi. I like that. I don't know if it really matters much, but <laughs> I, I don't think it really matters much either. But uh, you know. yeah, if you get if you get close enough to anything that broadcasts and receives, you can figure a way around it. But at least with Bluetooth, you have to be like on location mm-hmm. instead of Wi-Fi, which they can then come in through the router from the outside and you yeah. Know, so it's turn, a, turn the lights on. In theory, it's, it's a bit more secure because you'd actually have to be nearby to be able to hack in, as opposed to just anywhere. Yeah. So I like that, but see, I, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's a new, it's a new thing, but they're saying it's an idiot proof internet of things. And well, there is nothing idiot, idiot proof. In yeah, the world. there you go. That's that my, my issue with this whole thing was the title, which is seed is creating a truly idiot proof internet of things. Um, seed, I'm going to send my dad over to test some stuff out. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> yes, it, it might be idiot proof, but it isn't parent proof. <laughs> yeah. I just don't see that. Uh, it's cool. I mean, I love this technology. I want to see what people do with it. So get on it. Let's yeah. let's see what happens. I, I can't wait for my refrigerator to text me. I can. <laughs> so we talked about Product Hunt before and made much fun of it. Yes. And now they're rich. Of course they are. 
Six point one million dollar seed round <sighs> for what? It's a fucking list of other people that have gotten money. Yep. It's, uh, I don't. I don't understand why they took the money. Why they need the money? If it was going so well, why'd you take the money? What are they going to do that's going to make it that much better that they need millions of dollars for? It's it's six point one million dollars for an RSS feed with voting. Oh oh, you can like things. Yes, and now they have celebrity hunts. So Nas is in there doing his celebrity hunting. Oh, God. Yeah. What's wrong what with a, the world? It's a, it's a fucking circle jerk. That's all it is. <laughs> and I posted a link to Medium uh, called Making Product Hunt, where the founder talks about their their trials and tribulations, where there were absolutely none. These kids just got lucky and went straight up. Yeah, it's the same argument that i have with art a lot of the time which is you know i'll go to some crazy ass art show and somebody will have dribbled blue paint on a on a canvas and then took a dump on it or something and i go that's not art i could do that anybody could do that um and anybody could have done this and there we could have put this together in an afternoon it took them five days we could have done it in an afternoon yeah but we didn't. But that's, we didn't, and we don't have the $6.1 million in our bank accounts. Yeah, I think that's the story of the grumpy old geeks. Yeah, it truly coulda, is. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Didn't, because we thought it was stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and something else that's stupid, apparently a JetBlue passenger was bitching and moaning on Twitter, and they booted her. Um, <laughs> I, I got a problem with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do not think you should be able to do that. Not at all. Their airline, they can do what they want, but it it it's wrong. It, it's it, absolutely wrong. It is wrong, and I'm really surprised that the that the airline industry has not come up with policies about this yet because we we keep hearing about it. There's a lot of this going on. Um, didn't this even actually to do a throwback to Kevin Smith? Didn't uh, exactly this goes yeah. back to Kevin Smith, doesn't it? He was the one that uh, kind of started this whole trend by tweeting Southwest while he was on a flight, and he ended up getting pulled off the flight, didn't he? Uh, and he was banned because yeah. he was too fat. They wanted him to pay for two seats, I believe. Yeah. And I've seen him. He needs two seats. <laughs> he is a big dude. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I should have every right to sit on a plane and if I'm having a delay, tweet about it and bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just you can do it. Don't do it on JetBlue, apparently. Uh, apparently not. So uh, Google Plus we've talked about and mocked <laughs> regularly for the Deadpool that it seems to be. Mm-hmm. And they're they're saying that they're in it for the long haul. They've got a new head, uh, David Bisbris. Bisbris. Bisbro. Bisbro. Yo, bro. <laughs> Yo, bro. He's saying that they're uh, they're going full steam ahead. They've got a what? new office, and and if you look at the <laughs> if you look at the picture of them on on the Recode article, they've apparently got a, a ball pit. Yes, yes. I, I'm sure they're spending a lot of time doing awesome things over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean this is like the dream job i I almost want to apply because they'll just pay us a ton of money and we'll just sit there and go huh hmm (laughs) i don't know let's go sit in the balls we built something so good how come there's nobody here i know Uh, let's 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 build a tumbleweed app Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go, what they can do to make it better. I was hoping that they were going to, their design was going to get better when, uh, they picked up Kevin Smith's old, not Kevin Smith, Kevin <laughs> Rose's old company, uh, Oink, because mm-hmm. they had some pretty good designers in there. And, uh, nope. So far, it's still about the same. 
I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with Google Plus. It's nice. I think the design is pretty nice. I love the circles and, ooh, you can drag and drop friends in and out of things and you can create your own lists a lot easier than Facebook, but there's no one there. That's the problem. No one's there. And you're not going to get people there. Elo just proved that. And, you know, I've got like four friends there that will comment on stuff that I post there, but that's it. I have 10,000 plus followers, almost 11,000 now, and the same four people comment on my stuff and everybody else just kind of blows past it. They probably do exactly what what we do. We go in, we post something, we leave. We don't look around. I used to check it out all the time because the photography stuff was great and the way that they present photography is beautiful, Mm -hmm. but nobody goes. That's the problem. I haven't even logged in no i can't say i haven't logged in because they force you to have a google plus account to be able to do things like a youtube account and all that sort of stuff but uh i have not posted or looked at my profile in probably three years Uh, i go there every week just because i i pimp our shit (laughs) but we'll see if uh i don't know what they're gonna pull out of their ass to make this work but yeah i I wish them luck i do well apparently since the grumpy old geeks are on google plus if any of you out there actually use it send us a message over there (laughs) we'll see little experiment Tumbleweeds. Security. Ha. Now it's time for the segment on Grumpy Old Geeks where Jason basically has a cow and I sit back and get really depressed. Take it away, Jason. (laughs) I'll see what I can do this time. (laughs) So there is a zero day exploit in Bugzilla. Okay. It's very it's very meta because what people post to Bugzilla usually are zero zero day day bugs. (laughs) Yes, that they find. So yeah, this is a this is kind of a not a good one. Um, And one of the things that I really pulled out of the this was an article on Krebs on security. I saw it a couple other places, but Mm -hmm. there's a guy there, uh, Shahar Tal, who's a vulnerability research team leader for a company called Checkpoint. Yes. Now, I like this guy. I like this guy a lot because he he kind of parrots some of the things that we've said many times about open source software. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, let me state from the record here. Okay. The perception that many eyes have looked at an open source code or at open source code and it's secure because so many people have looked at it, I think is false. Duh, mm-hmm. No shit. <laughs> because no one really audits code unless they're committed to it or they're paid for it. Yep. This is why we can see such foolish bugs in very popular code. This bug was there for 10 years. Wow. So somebody's very upset that this was finally brought to light, I am sure. Totally. Uh, that's insane. Um, I, Mr. Shahar Tal, I, tip of the hat to you. That is so fucking spot on, it's ridiculous. And let's not even talk about open source code. Uh, personal example, Jason, I was I, I was actually uh, a bit slammed all week this week, and I had a client that was like, we need this done, and we need this done immediately, and I tossed it over to you basically just to say, hey, do you have any free time? Can you knock this out for me? Uh, you were busy as well. So I kind of just uh, picked it up at late at night. I worked on this little project a little bit. I had a bit of a stumbling block. I, I tossed you some code really quick just to have you look it over because my eyes were dead. Um, and you said, well, you helped me find the problem, but you also said, my God, the programming on this is horrible and the security is complete and utter shit. To which I responded, <laughs> yes, I'm aware of that. However, I'm not getting paid enough to fix it. And I have taken, I've gone to the client and said, I need to completely redo a lot of this stuff, but I need money to do it. There's, I'm not getting paid. This is why there's shit code everywhere. Well, to be honest, uh, 
your code could be fixed in about three minutes. Well, but, but, but that's I, not the point. And it, it, I would have to go through the entire site and redo it because it's all existing framework of code that was written years ago when that was okay. <laughs> oh, it was never okay. Uh, we you know, didn't know I mean. any, we didn't know any better. We didn't know then. any better back then. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cast your ints. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I did fix that little bit of code. I know. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> that one's free client. So, but uh, uh, he's right. He's right. I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation, especially for open source. It's nobody is going over this code with a fine tooth comb, and uh, they won't unless you're getting paid to do it. I beg to differ. There are people that are going over it with a fine tooth comb. Oh, the, and those the, are basically the bad guys. The ones putting in the zero day exploits, exactly. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. So, on to happier news. <laughs> Twitter is suing the U.S. government. Okay. I like this. Uh, they're suing over the ability to disclose the surveillance orders that they get. All right. I like because, that too. Yeah. In January, Google, Yahoo, Microsoft, LinkedIn, and Facebook, they all came to an agreement with the government saying, okay, we, the government says, we'll let you disclose these, but you can't say the exact numbers. You have to give a range, mm-hmm. which can be like from one to a thousand or one to one million. Yeah, we got between one and one million requests this year. <laughs> okay, there you, go. there you go. See, we've done our due diligence. Here it is. And Twitter says that's balderdash mm-hmm. and, and are actually suing. Saying, look, it's within our, you know, our constitutional rights for freedom of speech to be able to do this. And so, good, you go, girl. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I like this. Uh, I'm on your side for once, Twitter. The only problem with this is you're suing the U.S. government, which is going to cost me money because I have to pay for the government's defense. Wait, hold on. I have an idea. How about the government rescinds the NFL's tax-exempt status to help pay for this lawsuit? Weehoo, not going to happen. Connecting it all together. There you go. <laughs> so the whole Silk Road thing is going on right now. Mm-hmm. The the court case and all the discovery. And the uh, the defense for the guy who's up for the Silk Road, they brought in some you know security guys and they looked at what the FBI said that they did to get access to the Silk Road servers and, and mm-hmm. you know, called bullshit on it. And oh. – the the FBI and the prosecutors have basically come back and said, okay, well, maybe that's not what happened. But even if we didn't do it this way, it was still perfectly within our legal rights to hack the server. So it doesn't matter. Huh. Nah. Because nah. the server was technically in Iceland and it was a it was a leased server. So the guy didn't actually own it and he yeah. was using using it for nefarious purposes, which broke the terms of service with the people that he was leasing it from. So they're just saying, yeah, foreign soil used for criminal purposes. We can get in there if we want to. Okay. Well, kind of, it makes sense. I I suppose they are okay with that. We'll kind of see how this shakes out, but I, I, (laughs) you know, that's a, it's a hard argument to to go against. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, You know, those terms of service are going to get you every time. (laughs) But it's interesting that they lied about it the first time. Yeah. And now they're kind of backing up saying, ah, maybe not, but we can do it anyway. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay. Our first reason wasn't really valid, but here we found 20 more. (laughs) So to follow up with this, The Atlantic put out an interesting article this week, Mm -hmm. which ties right into this. It says, a year after the death of the Silk Road, darknet markets are booming. I love the shot that they used on this article of a guy like snorting heroin. (laughs) At his desk. At his desk with the laptop (laughs) and what could probably be Google Glasses sitting there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. 
But you know, you cut the head off the Hydra, then another two pop up. So, uh, well, was, you know, not surprising. Uh, I still have not uh, not delved into the Darknet, but uh, you know, it, hey, we've already had the first artist promote their album release on Darknet. What are you going to do? Yeah, well, you know, I, I guess you have a local hookup for your heroin and your guns. So <laughs> why, why why bother shopping elsewhere? I don't think you need a hookup for the guns. They're pretty easy to find in this country. Well, if you want to, you know. Uh, untraceable. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, an untraceable, no uh, serial number, <laughs> kind of not coming back to you gun. Right. It was a little little tougher. You got to kind of go go across the tracks to get those. But yeah, you still don't have to go very far. Yeah. Now, the Dubai police <laughs> are going to do something very interesting now. They're going to be wearing Google Glass with uh, facial recognition software looking for bad guys. Okay. They also have a Lamborghini, so yeah. they're, they're, they're forward-thinking and loaded. It's, a, it's a just a bizarre story. I don't know how the hell it's going to work because the Google Glass camera isn't that good to begin with. So you get fuzzy pictures of people, and then you have, you know, And you're connecting matches. to what database particularly, and uh, how fast is it going? How secure is the Google Glass network? Are there zero-day exploits on the software that's involved there? Because everything I hear about anything related to Android is not good. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't trust this at all, but then again, it's Dubai police, and I'm not going there anytime soon. No, definitely not going to Dubai. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, hey, what are you I just thought I it was mean, funny. I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. You're driving around in your Lamborghini wearing Google glasses. They, you know, the, the Dubai police have become the ultimate douchebags. Yes, they are the glass holes of the future. <laughs> now... You do go to the UK quite a bit, so I, do. I would say I would say if you do go to the UK, don't post any revenge porn because it can land you into jail for up to fourteen years. Well, I don't, I don't know what fourteen years is in in uh, pounds, but I think it's a lot. <laughs> Let's see if they convert one point two four. I don't know. Uh, I have no revenge porn available to me to post, but uh, okay, good to know. Um, I support this. I'm down with this. I think it's uh, I think it's a bad thing. I think 14 years might be a little bit ridiculous. But it's a little excessive. It's a little excessive. Now, 14 years for the guy that runs the site that collects all the revenge porn and is making a ton of money off of it. Okay, I'm down with 14 years for that dude. But for the uh, you know jacked up, horny, and probably drunk 14 year old kid that posts up the shot of his girlfriend that she you know sent to him, 14 years is ridiculous. Just my thought on that. And speaking of that, uh, let's we got to talk about it. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence just uh, did a big article for uh, Vanity Fair cover interview, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, she calls the photo hacking that she had a sex crime. Um, crime? Yes. Sex crime? No. Explain. Well, the crime was the fact that somebody hacked into her cloud storage, which can hold anything. It's there's there's no sex involved. It's it's hardly uh, the got the hacker's fault that she is a bit of a narcissist. Let's be honest. I don't know where she finds the time to take that many naked photos of herself. But uh, hey, there you go. It's, uh, so she had a shit ton of nude photos there. Guy just hacked in. The crime was hacking into a secure account. It has nothing to do with sex. And I. Don't really know if her take on it. I've seen people saying that even everybody that has looked at photos is committing a sex crime. No, there was one crime here. It was the hacker. That's it. Okay, there you go. That's my thought on it. <laughs> that is Brian's take on now, the sex crime. That does not mean I feel bad for all these women. I do. I certainly do. I think it's a horrible thing that has happened to them. And there was a crime. But uh, I don't believe that it's a sex crime. 
I know how I know what she, where she's coming from with feeling violated, yes. being violated. Oh, oh totally. I totally understand that. I think I think what it actually does is it cheapens actual sex crimes. You know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, cheapen because well, not now. <laughs> I know, I know how it sounded, but you know, rape is a violent crime. Uh, this is yeah. not a violent crime. This is not a violent crime at all. And again, I mean, you know, it, calling it a sex crime just because you took a lot of pictures of your boobs instead of pictures of, of butterflies, and that's what people hacked in and, and stole. It's not a sex crime. Okay, moving on because we're gonna moving get in on trouble. <laughs> I we we just don't want to cheapen sex crimes. Exactly, <laughs> Jesus. So uh, there's a there's a cool post that Stu over at Know Before put up this morning. It's worth a read. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Cause just go check it out. Mm-hmm. It's a, a history of Russian cybercrime in five minutes. And it basically, it's all Putin's fault. That's a TLDR version. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good summary. I did yeah. it. It was a nice read. It takes you five minutes. Read it. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, it basically is all Putin's fault. <laughs> okay, I got to stop now. <laughs> so Putin is... I can't, I can't even make the joke. We're done. At the library. I'm reading a very, 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 very long book now called <laughs> Shantaram, a novel by Gregory David Roberts. Okay. It's like 944 pages. That's nothing. It's long. Well, it's it's on Audible. So it is, I think, 42 hours of book. Okay, that's that's a lot of of listening. Yeah, I'm only uh, about ten hours into it. Really good. Okay, it is really really good. It's about a guy who escapes from a maximum security prison in Australia and then flees to Bombay and his trials and tribulations in Bombay. Mm. So far, that's all. That's as far as I got. He's in okay. Bombay hanging out with criminals. It's very. It's a very good read, though. I'm really a, really liking it. There a tech element to this, or? None whatsoever. I'm no. just reading a novel. I wanted something that wasn't sci-fi or techie and was long. And this came up. It had like four and a half stars. I'm like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Right. And it's, it's been pretty, pretty damn interesting. It's a, it's a nice change, too, to not read, you know, <laughs> sci-fi stuff. Yeah. I mean, but my last couple of novels have been crime novels and that kind of thing. So kind of kind of goes with that trend. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been trying to work myself off sci-fi for I think I need a little bit of a breather as well. Um the last one that I the last sci-fi book that I just finished, I finally finished The Handsmaid's Tale by uh uh by Margaret Atwood who wrote the Oryx and Crake series which we both just finished reading and was awesome. Uh Handmaid's Tale is kind of her bigger novel. It's it's often on, you know, the top you know, hundred dystopian sci-fi books of all time lists and all that. <laughs> You've told us about it for three weeks in a row. How, yeah, yeah, how yeah. did you like it? How did you like the damn? Uh, I liked Oryx and Crake a lot better. It was really good, big ideas. The it took half the book to even really kind of get going and get into it. The ending was wretchedly horrible and you don't really know what actually happened but then she followed it up with a postscript that was written way in the future and people looking back on the time that part was awesome i loved the very end of it big ideas not the best book okay so skip it yeah i'd say skip it read oryx and crake that's a lot better cool. and i also read kitchen confidential because i needed something that was non-fiction and non-sci-fi and i had seen the anthony bourdain show on cnn that just premiered and was like i'm really into this guy he's really interesting and i loved every second of this book I, I loved it loved it loved it can't recommend it enough it's a world i know absolutely nothing about which is you know professional cooking uh and he is one of the most interesting people that i i'm aware of in the world right now 
really weird, interesting, funny dude. Yeah, he's written a couple follow-ups to the book that mm-hmm. weren't as good. Right. But Kitchen Confidential started the whole thing off and started his career. And I love Anthony Bourdain. I've seen all of his shows, all of his series, and I just – I love him. I got no problem with the guy. He's cool as shit. Yeah, I agree. Um, really, really enjoyed the book. Can't recommend it enough if you haven't read it. I know it's old, but uh, it was good. Software, apps, and gadgets. We've spent a lot of time on this show talking about social media and uh, the different sites that are out there and the problems with posting and how people are trying to kind of avoid that and this this never-ending, you know, this thing, ex- this stuff exists forever. So some people are going through and, like, deleting all their posts manually after three weeks to try to stay away from it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I stumbled across an article on Salon that talks about big data. It's called Smart People Prefer Curly Fries and Other Insights Gleaned from Analyzing Your Social Media Accounts. Um, It's a good read, uh, but most interesting to me are some of the sites that are out there, which they talk about that uh, basically go through your social media and try to make predictions based on what you do there. So I thought we'd do a little experiment here, Jason. Okay, let's do it. Let's bring them up and then let's see who we are. start off with you are what you like.com mm-hmm. this is the snazziest it's the prettiest by far mm-hmm. so uh your openness now, what do you have this, what, this what's your... let's, let's start with this analyzes basically your facebook this is this one's facebook only yes this is facebook and then it so. uh, attempts to get you a bunch of different uh, metrics about you so the first one is your openness so it's conservative and traditional versus liberal and artistic. Agreed, yes. It, it, and I am 59% liberal and artistic, 41% conservative and traditional, which I would say is pretty spot on because I'm incredibly socially liberal, but I am increasingly financially and regulatorily conservative. <laughs> well, it, it pegs me at 56% conservative and 44% liberal and artistic, which is completely wrong. I don't know. You're more conservative than I am, I'd say. So I think that's that's pretty spot on. On what topics? Most. No. All right. All right. Uh, It also does tend to match you up. It it brings in three examples of your friends that are either most liberal or most conservative. And just judging at those pictures, I will not mention any names. I agree 100%. Yeah, they got that that pretty much right. Yeah. So uh, the second one is conscientiousness. Uh, I am 53% spontaneous and flexible, 47% well-organized. I am 54% well-organized and 46% spontaneous and flexible. Uh, For me, this is 100% false. I am just well-organized. End of story. Even my spontaneity is penciled in. Yeah, I I honestly don't know. (laughs) I I can't tell you. I, I... I'm not that spontaneous. So this is actually pretty pretty spot on. Yeah. Okay. So the next one is extroversion. I am 58% shy and reserved and 42% outgoing and active. One of the problems I'm starting to see in this is there's not a lot of swing. So either we're both kind of middle of the road people or, you know, it's just not a very good algorithm. Yeah. Uh, for shy and reserved, I'm at 54 and outgoing, I'm at 46, which should be shy and reserved should be in the 80 percentile range, I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, you get an automatic amount of points just for being on social media, because how shy and reserved could you be? Uh, agreeableness. Uh, I am 56 percent assertive and competitive as opposed to 44 percent warm, trusting and cooperative. 
Um, 52 and 48 on those. All right. Yeah. Well, I can, I definitely think that I ramp up my social uh, media postings to be kind of angry and assertive. So, okay. So this, this next one, this last one, which is your neuroticism, this is going to be the, this is the kicker right here. Are you calm and relaxed or emotional and stressed? I am 57% calm and relaxed. 43% 43% emotional I'm exactly and stressed. exactly the same. Really? <laughs> exactly the oh, same. Oh, and that is completely wrong for both of us because we are yeah. incredibly emotional and stressed. 99% emotional and stressed, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, and then it also gives you uh, personality twins and personality opposites from your friends, which is rather interesting. And one of the kind of crazy, and this is what people don't think about, you go to this site and you go, I'm just going to analyze myself. No, it is analyzed every single one of your friends as well when you log in. So here's the really disturbing part. Mm-hmm. My personality twins mm-hmm. are five of the craziest chicks I know. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I and I barely talk to these people. I don't uh, this is scary. You know, the weird thing is my personality twins are people I all I, I really respect and like but never ever talk to. Yeah. While my my people. opposites are some of my closest friends. Yeah, mine too. Interesting. Very strange. All right, let's move on to the second one. We are going to apply magic sauce. This is ugly. It's JSON. It gives you the results back in JSON. How hard would it have been to do some fucking pie charts? Well, yeah, and <laughs> apparently I am 0.052879 gay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me see. I had that come up for me. Relationship none less. This is this makes no sense. I'm 0.08% gay. I, I Basically, it's the higher the number, the better chance that you are. It kind of nailed that I'm married. Um but then it put me at 0% chance of being in a relationship, which is weird. Um, it thinks I'm female. It thinks I'm a uh, Christian. Uh, no, I got zero on all the religions. Um, I'm supposed to be a lawyer, apparently, or a nurse. I'm 0.53 <laughs> for intelligence. Yeah, well. I don't know what the hell this I, thing point- is. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm Christian and Catholic. Right. <laughs> so I, I also may be a lesbian. God well, damn, I, I'm not too into this one. This one's got some weird stuff going on, and it would certainly help. I mean, come on, guys. It takes 10 seconds to take <laughs> some JSON and put it into a nice, lookable format. So, and my age is apparently 26.59. Oh, I got older than I am. I'm a, I'm a curmudgeon. Oh, I'm a Mormon, too. <laughs> I got I got high on Jewish. All right, so you can take okay. you can take a look at that one as well, but that one takes a bit more time and effort, and it seems to be a little bit more off. The third one that we found is called Analyze Words, and this one goes through basically all your tweets. So this is a Twitter-based one. It doesn't go through that many of them. It only picked the 777 most recent words for me. Mm, I got 739. Which isn't very many words. That's not that many tweets. No, no, it's not. So uh, this breaks down your tweets into emotional style, social style, and thinking style. Uh, emotional style. I am 78% upbeat. I'm 74. But I'm also 77% worried. I'm only 40 on the worried. Hmm. I I think my tweeting is basically usually just grumpy old geek stuff, so that probably makes sense. Uh, I'm 54% angry and 42% depressed. I am 67% angry and 52% depressed. (laughs) Okay, so social style we have plugged in. I'm average at 50%. 54. Uh, personable, high, 62%. Uh, 49. Arrogant okay. and distant, 61%. Damn it, I only got 54 on that one. I figured I would, I would be off the charts. I thought it would be for you, too. Maybe they're not bringing in the fights that you get in with people. I must not do, like, uh, replies. 
<laughs> yeah, see, this is the problem with this. It doesn't have enough data. No, I agree. Uh, Spacey slash Valley Girl, which I thought was a weird thing. That is bizarre. But if you roll over, it gives you the little description of what it is, and it's, it's, this one's funny. Excitable. If you rank high in Valley Girl, you love recounting your newest story with lots of LOLs. <laughs> uh, I'm 60% at that. I'm only 50. Okay. God. Okay. I'll, I'll stick with 50. All right. Thinking style. Analytic. Uh, I am 41. I am 66. Ooh, you're mm. the smart one. That's right. Sensory. 49. Uh, 40. In the moment. 35. I'm 58. And isn't Twitter all about being in the moment? Everybody should be 100. Eh. <laughs> well, if you're posting links and shit, probably not. Yeah, I guess not. So... Uh, just some interesting stuff. I, this uh, The big data polls I don't think are really quite there yet, as we saw from so many things just being kind of hovering around the middle ground. But uh, this is scary stuff when they dial us in. Yeah, but all that I can come out of this with is feeling that I've just wasted 10 minutes of my life because none of it has any actionable data for me. It's just, okay, it's kind of like a, a really bad version of a digital mirror. Ah, uh, but the point of the whole article is that it's not supposed to have any value for you. It's supposed to have value for other people towards you. Oh, the advertisers. Exactly. Or potential employers or whatever. Okay, interesting. And uh, I must not be that smart because I hate curly fries. Yeah, me too. I'll take waffle or straight any day. Yeah. yeah. Mm, now mm. I'm hungry. God, I want some steak fries. Okay, so I found a, a new website this week called Appointlet. Mm-hmm. It it lets other people schedule your time based on your Google Calendar. Hey, you can tie this into all your uh, your your, uh, your Uber profile and then your Airbnb, and there you go. This is how we're all going to make money in the future, according to some leading economists that were not mentioned earlier. Okay, that was a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I was. Uh, checking out a new podcast that I'll talk about in the next segment. And he had openings to be a guest. And I found it through that because it's like, oh, here are the slots where you can come be a guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And I filled out the little form and then it zoomed off. And then a couple of days later, I got a thing back says, hey, you're, you're confirmed to be on our show. I'm like, cool. That wow. worked out pretty well. All right. So I liked it. I like it. And the next one mm-hmm. is uh, Cycloramic. Do you remember that app? I talked about it a couple times. It's the one where you set your phone down and it uses the vibrating motor to spin it in a circle. Yeah, I do remember and, and that. Yes. Yep. I thought it was going to be dead because with the iPhone 6, if you don't have a square case, it's just going to fall over. Well, the iPhone or I, the latest iOS has panoramic built in and walks you through doing them as well. Yeah, but you have to handhold it and all that stuff. This You set it on a table and it just does it you know, perfectly. So, cause it's on a flat plane. Mm-hmm. So you don't have that little arrow going up and down kind of thing. Right. I just, I, I always just thought the app was neat. So these guys have come up with the most clever workaround I've seen. This is you, pretty good. Yeah. You take the little charging block, that little USB charging block, stick it on the table and then stick your phone between the, the prongs. <laughs> and that, that's your, your flat base. Now I just thought that was clever as hell. That's uh, there's some smart people over there that came up with a, basically a hail Mary ditch pass to save their, save their app. And they did it. So good job. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> good job. I figured they were going to have to sell little things that you had to carry with you. Yeah. Most of the time, well, you still have to carry it with you, but a lot of times you have that in your bag. Somebody's, the, somebody's got one. They are missing out on a market opportunity to create a device and sell it. I've seen those kickstarted and most of them have failed. Shocking. Yes. Now, I have two WordPress links. I am so in love <laughs> with your first one because that is the most useful thing to me because uh, part of my – oh, well, Let me let me, okay. let me tell people yes, what it tell is people first. what it is. Sorry. <laughs> Leaping ahead. 
Yes, it's called What WordPress Theme Is That? Mm-hmm. And it is uh, unsurprisingly at whatwpthemeisthat.com. Mm-hmm. I have bookmarked this. Yes, throw, throw a domain at it and it will tell you what theme they're using. This is beyond useful for me, especially for the smaller clients that, that kind of force us into using WordPress, which we've discussed ad nauseum. But, uh, you know, part of my creative process working with a client and, and coming up with design is go find a couple sites that you like, tell me what you like about them, et cetera, et cetera. And this is invaluable now because now I can go find the theme that they actually really seem to like and, and without having to fuck around. Yeah, then you can just take it, customize it for your client, and you're done. Bob's your uncle. This is fantastically <laughs> useful. we got to fit that in in every show somewhere, don't we? Bob's your uncle? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the next one is from uh, WPMUDev.org, which they generally put out crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a member there because they have some tools that I use for clients. But this uh, article, it's, a, it's not even a listicle because they forgot to put the number in. <laughs> it's uh, powerful, must-have tools for every WordPress developer. Yeah, they really missed an opportunity with the titling and numbering here. Which is which is weird because most of their articles are listicles. So <laughs> I don't know I don't know who like phoned in that day, but uh they missed a missed a calling there. Um yeah. there's a lot of tools in here, most of which I've never heard of. Me either. So I'm gonna go through this whole list and check them all out and see if there's anything that I can actually use. But uh some of the stuff looks really handy. Yeah, there seems to be a couple of things in there that actually might be of use, but I'll, I'll let you do the legwork on that one. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> now, though, um, what was the one here? Let me pull it up here. Is there's one that basically gives you a command line version into Word? Yeah, well, of course, WP-CLI command line interface for WordPress, so you can automate a bunch of stuff and just do it straight from the command line. No, oh, that's which is nice. great. Which is great for me. I'm yeah. always in a shell somewhere. So yeah, if you if you're stuck dealing with the abyss that is wordpress go check out uh, this list and hopefully you can pull something out of it that will make your life a little easier you're always in a shell we didn't get that from you are what you like media candy i've got a couple new podcasts this week okay which, which is probably the last thing i need when i'm trying to get through a 42 hour book and <laughs> work yeah um, so the first one I got is called New Tech City. This has been around a while, and it's done by professional radio people. But I noticed it because it jumped to the top of the tech news uh, ratings in iTunes. I'm like, who the hell are these guys? Because they don't have that many ratings, and they're like unstoppable. You can't get rid of them now. Right. So yeah, New Tech City is kind. Of, it's kind of like our show, <laughs> talking about you know the effects of technology on people, but they don't use tech jargon like we do sometimes. Right. It's a really interesting show. I actually listened to about 30 episodes of it so far because they're fairly short. Okay. And if, and if you 2X them, then you can, you know, squeak through them. The first one I found, I sent to you that you need to check out, and it talks about backing tracks in live bands in live shows. Right, yeah. It's, well, a, it's, a, it's a fun little story. No, I'm definitely going to listen to it. It's, uh, I just didn't get the chance to get around to it, and I don't want to listen to it at uh, two speed because that drives me insane. But uh, this it looks like a really good podcast. It's on my list of things that uh, I'll start listening to a little bit. No, it's very good. Mm-hmm. It's actually very good. And it's really good for people who are not like super tech savvy. Right, right. Yeah, but it's, it's well produced, very well produced. Maybe I'll have my dad listen to it. There you go. <laughs> so my next one is called Show Me Your Mic. Mm-hmm. This is total insider baseball for podcasters. Now, do you, do you listen to this just to get upset? 
No, I actually found out about this because Jordan Cooper was on one of the latest episodes and he turned me on to it. Okay. And he said he pimped us on there, which he did. So thank you, Jordan. Thanks, Appreciate Jordan. it. Preach. No, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I ended up listening to a bunch of the episodes. It's it's only like half about gear and then just half about shooting the shit about podcasting. It, it's a very interesting show. Is, is this totally the one uh, that you're going to be getting on? Uh, yes, oh, <laughs> this is the one. So I'll be on this on November. I think I'm recording it November 18th. Okay. So I don't know how long he uh, sits on them for, but it should be uh, out soon after that, I'm guessing. So we'll put a link in when, when I'm done. Excellent. That'll be fun. Uh, so last Friday, while we were recording our Grumpy Old Geeks episode, um, two tweets went out, two identical tweets from David Lynch and Mark Frost. And the tweet said, Dear Twitter friends, that gum you like is going to come back in style. Hashtag damn good coffee. <laughs> if you know what that means, you are already quivering with excitement and anticipation. If you do not, it is Twin Peaks, the TV series that ran back in 90 and 91 that actually kept me from going out on Friday nights until it was over because we didn't have things like DVRs and a series of other technological miracles. Um, I am so beyond excited about that. Uh, basically, over that weekend, people started to freak out. And then on Monday morning, they gave us a gift, which is a special Twin Peaks announcement on YouTube, a short video announcing that the show is going to be returning as a Showtime limited series. Yeah, like nine episodes in 2016. I cannot fucking wait. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to wait a little bit, but it, they did just re-release it on Blu-ray, mm -hmm. so you can go get that and re-watch it all. Yes, if you've never watched the show, it is by far probably the best TV show that has ever been made. Uh, so amazing, so wonderful, really groundbreaking. We wouldn't have half the shows that are out there these uh, now if it weren't for Twin Peaks. And I'm very excited to see it come back. So apparently it's going to be – I can't wait to start hearing the casting announcements because it sounds like a lot of the same cast will be returning. It's 25 years later. I'd also like to uh, talk about a quick book called Reflections, an Oral History of Twin Peak by Brad Dukes. So if you are a Twin Peaks fan, go check out this book. It just came out a couple, I think about a month or two ago. Oh, really? And I got it, I got it for my roommate, who is a huge Twin Peaks fan, and he bought the Blu-rays, and we're, we're sitting on them trying to figure out when we can just you know binge watch them. And I saw this book, and I bought it for him, and he said it was really good. So huh. check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Have you thought about expanding your uh, Does It Have Legs to TV series? That might be interesting to see how well Twin Peaks is weather the 25 years. No. <laughs> we don't have time to do a two-hour movie once a week, so we moved it to every other week. In trying to do a, an actual TV series, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. The one I would really like to do, though, they just came out with the, the full set is uh, Hill Street Blues. I never I, watched that. I loved that show. That <laughs> show was so good when I was uh, a kid. I don't know if it has legs, and I'm not about to spend 180 bucks to find out, but it's out there for you diehard fans. All right. So speaking of old things, uh, one of my – what I'm basically calling my second favorite album of all time is now 20 years old. Uh, Underworld, Dub No Bass With My Head Man, has just been re-released in what they call the Deluxe... No, I call the Deluxe Remastered Super Fantastico Edition, but they're actually technically calling the Super Deluxe 20th Anniversary Remaster. Um, this is I, like your, I like your name better. Super I think Fantastico? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, this is a groundbreaking album. It kind of really got me into EDM and electronic dance music. Um, but it's also like, it's one of those albums that you can just have on 
Uh, you can either engage with it completely and pay attention, or it just kind of washes over you in the background. One of my favorite albums of all time, cannot recommend it highly enough. And I'm usually not one to go out and spend a ton of money on Mastered for iTunes remixes and redone things, but uh, this is like the equivalent of four CDs worth of outtakes uh tracks that haven't been released um you know original versions it's unbelievable and really really good so i cannot recommend that enough excellent uh and speaking of older musicians that i was really into uh david j is actually putting out a book about his uh, he was in bauhaus and love and rockets he's a bit of an odd guy i always kind of really liked them um love and rockets being one of the first bands that i've ever actually worked for um you know he's kind of creepy and weird like likes magic and wicca and all this sort of stuff and so he has written a book called uh what the hell is it called sorry that's bad on my part um who killed mr moonlight bauhaus black magic and benediction which i'm really looking forward to reading and uh i've already kind of uh i i want to buy it i can't buy it yet because it's obviously you know it's one of those things that the ebook is not available on amazon you can do a pre-order etc 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 so i really like david J, but now he has annoyed me and I would like to thank <laughs> – I would like to give a tip of the hat to friend of the show, Andy Stochansky, for getting me pissed off about this one. Uh, he is on Kickstarter, and he is Kickstartering or crowdfunding his promotional tour for the book. Oh, my God. <laughs> Will these people ever learn? Pick up a dictionary and find out what promotional book tour is. You don't get it funded. You're doing it to sell your book. This is so douchey. It is pretty fucking douchey. Now, in his defense, he isn't just going to go around and sit at Barnes & Noble and sign the book. He is trying to do it as almost a tour. So technically, he is, I guess, kickstartering a tour uh, where he's going to play some live music. He's going to do Q&As. Um, but still, come on, man. I, you can still do that at a Barnes & Noble. Sorry. Yeah, you can do that without us paying for it. Uh, I, I went to a Liam Clancy signing and he brought out his guitar and this was at Barnes and Noble in New York and he played some songs and then we signed his book and yeah. or he signed our books and we bought them and he made money. Yeah, so. the, the entire point. And by the way, at books at, at these promotional tours for books now, they do require that you actually buy the book if you want to get it signed. So you are going out there to have us buy your book and that is how you will make your money. Do not make us fund your promo tour for it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, David J. I really like you, but damn, whoever came up with this idea. Slap him. Deep breaths. And he's only looking for 12 grand. He's got to have 12 grand. I mean, come on. You'd figure. He's been in these bands and, you know, they've both done their, their second round of touring just to make money. Bauhaus did it and Love and Rockets has done it as well. So come on. Anyways, let, moving on to something that I thought was much more interesting. Uh, the BBC is going to be launching a BBC Music, uh, which will be a – well, we're not all really all that sure what it's going to be yet. But it's very exciting that they're actually trying to get involved in the, in the new music age. And to promote the launch of it, they did a cover of God Only Knows with about 10 gazillion musicians in it and a very high budget. Okay. For the video. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, so I'll have to um, check it out after the show. It's a, well, God Only Knows is an amazing song to begin with, and it's very interesting. They have a lot of really interesting people in there. Uh, it stuck out for me as there's Lord Sings One Line, and her voice is just so amazingly different compared to everybody else. Um, I highly recommend giving it a listen. Cool. Uh, who originally did God Only Knows? That would be the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson. Okie doke. Thank you very much. No problem. Moron of the Week. We found a lot of morons this week, and Jason, you even got in on the game. Hell yeah. It's a fun one, isn't it? 
It is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moron number one. This should come as no surprise. Rush Limbaugh. We always knew he was a moron, but this one is pretty spectacular. Uh, he basically floated a theory that Obama wants Americans to get Ebola as payback for slavery. Kidoki. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can mm. we can we change this to retard of the week? Uh, that one we don't even need to talk about that one because that is just uh, that <laughs> no. is what it is. Um, moving on, uh, class action lawsuit was brought up against Red Bull, and if you've had a Red Bull in the last twelve years, you're able to claim a piece of the settlement because somebody sued them because they did not, in fact, get wings. Well, I think what they did was they proved the, the inefficacy of the bulges and uh, the other stuff that's in it. And yeah, it, it, it's a Coke. It's got some caffeine in it. Yes. It's a Coke. I mean, there's a long list of, of various things that we all know doesn't really do much for us. And it, it, Red Bull says it's an energy drink. It does certainly jazz you up right when you have one because of all the shit that's in there. But, you know, whatever. So they got sued, yet we can't seem to manage to sue a telecom or a cable provider, even though all of their commercials are all straight-up lies. <laughs> and and good luck getting your piece of the pie for this, because every time I tried to get there, the website was dead. Oh, because this one went totally viral. I will be signing up to get my, my bit of the settlement. But here's the other thing that really upsets me about this. Um, you don't actually get money what you end up doing is you get a a like $15 credit to buy more Red Bull. <laughs> now, hold on. This has happened to me twice now because I've always stated that like I, I when I find out about class action lawsuits against things that I use, I always sign up for them. This is trickle down. This is like I'm getting my pound of flesh. And I've got, you know, I've gotten 50 bucks here from Verizon, all that sort of stuff. Um, there was one for a, a restaurant chain that that I've ate at that they came out like, you know, uh, they had some sort of issue with their pricing or whatever. There was a class action lawsuit. I signed up for it because I had ate there. And, you know, six months later, I get my settlement. The settlement is a $20 gift certificate to the restaurant. That should not be legal. If you are getting sued for something, you need to pay your customers and the people that signed up for the class action lawsuit in cash, not with stuff that puts more money back in your coffers. Fuck you, Red Bull. I want $15, <laughs> not $15 a Red Bull. There should there needs to be a class action lawsuit against class action lawsuit settlements. <laughs> okay, let's get meta there. All yeah. right. Anyways, moving on. My moron of the week is Satya Nadella, mm, the CEO of Microsoft. I bet this guy walked off stage and his handler ran over to him and said, "You fucking idiot! <laughs> I can't believe you said that." I, I mean, as I was reading the statement, which I will get to in a second, I could like literally hear a forehead slap somewhere. <laughs> uh, more than a few, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in response to a question over how women should broach the always uncomfortable task of requesting a raise, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said, it's not really about asking for the raise, but knowing and having faith that the system will actually give you the right raises as you go along. Like that ever happens. Furthermore, he suggested that not requesting a pay raise would actually top up a woman's karma bank, which would, by magic, presumably enhance her trustworthiness within the organization and so lead to an enhanced level of responsibility. Not only should he feel like an idiot right now, he should actually be removed as CEO. <laughs> if you can say things that are this stupid, and this was at a women's conference. <laughs> Oh, remove, um, remove dick. Firmly step on it. Repeat. I'm relatively sure he is not long for his job. Oh, I don't know. The, it, look at Balmer. He lasted forever, and he was a, he was a giant twat. <laughs> Good point. Are you kidding? 
kidding me? Low project production values. Ebola Watch 2014. Okay. Everybody's all, I, you have my attention. Everybody's all worried about Ebola. The news is pushing it. They tell us we're all about to die any second and it's coming to the U.S. Well, watch out, Maine, because apparently you're the closest U.S. state to Africa. And why is this relevant? Well, it's just an interesting fact. And then I just realized that Africa is where Ebola comes from. So you, you Mainese people, you better watch out. You're closest. They're coming for you. Okay, well, if you if you want to read something good that's not uh, about Maine, <laughs> uh, check out an uh, interview in uh, Der Spiegel with the guy who discovered it, Peter Pyatt. Oh, yes, it's a is. very good article. It's a very good article. So if you want real information on Ebola and a really good read, we'll put that link in the show notes. But, and don't go to Maine unless you're having lobster. But completely ignoring the whole Ebola factor and the reason that this is in this section, uh, click on the link in the show notes, which provides a really cool map that shows you basically ways to plot uh, you know, distances between different areas and shows you what is closest to what. And I found the fact that actually Maine, by, by actual distance, is the closest point in the U.S. to Africa to be incredibly interesting. And it lets you kind of mess around and try all different sort of things and suggest different things. It's a fun little plotty thing that somebody built out. It is a very cool little tool. Mm-hmm. Closing shoutouts. I'd like to give a shout-out to Landon Donovan. If you follow uh, soccer at all, particularly U.S. soccer, you know who he is. He is uh, basically the longtime U.S. soccer grade, our first major star, as it were. Um, he will be playing his final game for the U.S. national team, uh, I believe, uh, this weekend. And he will be coach, or not coach, he'll be captain. So it'll be, uh, I'm going to be watching that. Uh, be sad to see him go. He's also currently playing for the LA Galaxy and has announced that this will be his last season for club play as well. So, uh, and the Galaxy is doing quite well, so it'd be great if he went out on a high and have the Galaxy win the title. So thank you, Landon Donovan. It's been a pleasure watching you. Why is he leaving? Is he just getting too old? Yeah, he's getting too old, and he's actually got a lucrative deal that going on with ESPN, so he's going to be doing commentating and all that sort of stuff. So we haven't seen the last of him, just the last of him as a player. And actually, I was at the game uh, last Saturday and got to see him play. So good times. I uh, love watching him play. Going to be sad not to do that anymore. Uh, I want to say rest in peace to Jan Hooks. Jan Hooks was a... Uh, one of the major cast members on Saturday Night Live in kind of the uh, the sweet spot of of my particular watching of Saturday Night Live, the, you know, kind of late 80s, uh, early 90s, uh, when you had like Tim Hartman, um, or Phil, 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 Phil Hartman, Hartman <laughs> Tim Meadows, sorry, Tim Meadows, Phil Hartman, uh, Kevin Nealon, Jan Hooks, all those sorts of people. Uh, I guess she, I hadn't heard her name in years or even thought about her in years. Um, apparently, they haven't released the cause of death or anything, but apparently she's had a really bad sickness for quite a long time. Uh, we have a very good clip in, in the uh, show notes there. It's a very funny woman. And speaking of sick people, um, I'm sad to announce that Morrissey has revealed he has cancer and has been hospitalized several times in the last 18 months, causing him to cancel his U.S. tour. Um, He certainly had a lot of issues. He has canceled quite a lot of things. We've heard of him going in and out of the hospital, but he hasn't really spoken about it. Uh, And in typical Morrissey fashion, he begins the statement with, if I die, then I die. Oh, Morrissey, you're so you're so happy. Uh, I had a lot of emotion about that when I found out about it, uh, but I'll wait and see because Morrissey is a bit melodramatic. So hopefully, uh, just wishing him the best and hopefully he will recover. Well, he did a show last night and it seemed to go over very well. They said he seemed very energetic. Good, 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 good. (laughs) I'm not quite ready for Morrissey to leave my world yet. (laughs) So entering the world, I finally put up uh, Jason.com podcast. Oh, and I listened to the two of them. 
Yes, the two that I've done, I will do another one this afternoon that would be a little better than the last one, which was off the cuff. But I dropped some some tips and stuff. And, and juggled your balls. I did juggle with my balls. <laughs> my racket balls, not my ball balls. Well, congratulations, um, Jason. I know that you've been talking about this for ages, and it's a long time coming, and, and you finally got it done. Good job, man. I just have to keep going with it. That's the thing. It's like we talk about it so much, and it just got to be such a joke, and it was always over my head. So I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody subscribe and listen. Okie dokie. And I think that's it for us. Yeah, that is it for us. So congratulations, Jason. I know you have another podcast to get to now. <laughs> I got two more to get to. <laughs> can't right. talk to you all day. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, get to it, man. And I will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Music for this show is by Among Us, The Benny Hill Show, and Angelo Baldamente. You can find all of that on iTunes. We are hosted by Libsyn. Use the coupon code GOG while signing up and receive up to two months free. Keep up with us at GrumpyOldGeeks.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GrumpyOldGeeks, on Twitter we're at Twitter.com slash GOGpodcast, or simply email us at podcast at GrumpyOldGeeks.com. You can also get our iPhone app at GrumpyOldGeeks.com slash iPhone. Show notes for this episode can be found at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 79. Here he bole, bole, bole. Okay, last one to kill a bad guy buys the beer. We're driving to Florida.